Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our awesome guest is Reese Fuller, lead writer at Work & Co., and we're going to talk about brand voice and tone today. This episode is brought to you by Zeppelin. Design tools can do almost anything, and with Zeppelin, they can go even further. Stop spending your time preparing design files for your developers and your PMs. Let Zeppelin do it for you. Show user journeys, organize screens, highlight components automatically. See how you can go from design to production faster at zeppelin.io. Hey, Reese. Hey, Jane. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We're excited to learn from you today. So before we dive into the main topic, tell us about yourself and a short background story. Sure. Yeah. Like you said, my name is Reese. I'm a lead writer at Work & Co. We're a, a pretty a medium-sized, I would say, agency uh, working in digital products. We design and develop digital products for some of the, the best brands, I'll say, in the world. But yeah, I've been here about two and a half years. It's been a little bit of a journey to get there. I was at another agency prior working as uh, what we called there a verbal designer. So a little bit more brand focused than strictly product. Lots of naming and verbal identity, uh, verbal strategy, even some would call it other, other establishments. Uh, prior to that, I was at a, a, a co-working company uh, working at, as a copywriter on their brand team. So I was more, I think, traditional you know, out-of-home marketing and advertising uh, for our new co-working spaces, sort of my, my first taste with brand copywriting. But yeah, I found my way into product um, at Work & Co. And it's been a really good, really good kick so far. Have you always been working with words or do you come from like some radically interesting other background? I think words have kind of always been uh, interesting to me. I would say I have a, a, a core memory of being really excited to take hooked on phonics um in in kindergarten and, and learn how to read so yeah i've always been a pretty passionate and avid reader writing short stories and a little bit of poetry for a while coming out of high school and into college i was really interested in being a music journalist at one point so there's always been i'll say some gravity towards writing for me um but yeah i um i don't know if you mentioned it, i live in new york currently um, and after um, having moved here from Maryland, where I'm from originally, um, which is very active in a few creative communities and wound up getting an agency internship, learning what advertising, copywriting was. And yeah, like I just kind of made my way into to product and UX copywriting. So you've worked with some spectacular brands and brand voice and tone is one of your passions. And things you work with. So for mm -hmm. our listeners, could you give us a definition of what a brand voice is firsthand? And then we'll embark on the journey of like how we get there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's definitely a process. I imagine we'll have a lot to talk about. But, you know, brand voice to me is really just a core articulation and statement. Um, and more practically, I think a, a system of tools uh, to help other writers uh, write in a way that feels consistent and on par with what the brand standard is. The writing becomes on brand. I'm doing air quotes. Your listeners can't see right now, but the writing becomes on brand. So whether that uh, set of systems or tools includes, you know, maybe a, a personality 
uh, either fictional or non-fictional, you know, a character, if you will, or a set of writing principles, things to do or behaviors to enact as a writer. So the writing becomes consistent or even in a lot of instances, uh, a simple style guide, you know, a set of language, words uh, that feel unique and sort of ownable for a brand or product to uh, sort of reiterate to a user or a reader. So that starts to catch on a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's taking a number of different approaches to create writing that feels consistent and singular and feels like it's coming from a, a unified and distinct place um, in, in all instances on behalf of a brand or a product. When you have new a new project, is it that you also have, in addition to the task of just creating the brand voice itself, does it always come in hand with the deliverables where that's going to manifest? Like, yes, we're going to develop brand voice and apply it in the website or in the product, where is it standalone brand voice and then you decide how to extrapolate that? It depends. A lot of time I think it, it, it should and in its best uh, sort of best applications becomes a part of that process, a set of deliverables that one could expect perhaps alongside what you would typically have design or production ready design files or hand a full handoff file. I think that can be really important, even if it's just like a a bare bones um, voice guideline. It doesn't have to be that complex or that that, um, extensively developed, just to have something uh, for other writers to use and refer back to as they're continuing to produce language on behalf of a brand. Um, but to that point, I think it's also an ongoing process, right? I think as, um, in, in a product space, new features get added, new tasks or new goals or metrics become a part of a conversation. The writing can continue to evolve. The brand can continue to evolve. And that's just sort of an ongoing dialogue, um, between the people who are producing this work or this, this thing. And I think that's okay. You know, I think that's, that's part of what makes this, this work so interesting, um, and that process so so rich a lot of the time. Please do walk us through typical deliverables. How is this documented? Is it just one document like you mentioned, or is it a set of different assets? What does a brand voice look like as a deliverable? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it come to life a, a few different ways. I think, you know, there have been projects I've worked on where, you know, it's a the full brand deliverable is a, a PDF that's upwards of 200 pages, you know, and I'm, I'm sure your listeners have maybe seen or produced these kinds of things before with, you know, logo and spacing and color and typeface and the traditional sort of visual components of a brand. And then either in the latter half or maybe as an upfront, there's a, a voice and tone section that sometimes can be maybe a handful of pages in that document or longer, sometimes even in the, the visual portion of a brand brand guidelines. Um, but it can conclude, it can, can include a lot of things, right? It's, it, it can be voice and tone that's articulated through a, a personality or a character. Um, sometimes it's a, a manifesto or a manifesto that sort of feels like this long winded sort of long form call to arms or very spirited, uh, almost even poetic sometimes, um, uh, representation of what the brand is all about, um, that captures that spirit. Um, it can include, uh, principles that sometimes sit in complement to, or, um, on top of foundational brand strategy or product strategy or product principles, however you want to call them, um, that are specific for writing. Um, I think in, uh, some more detailed versions we'll have like examples of do's and don'ts, um, ways to write out something as simple as 
you know, maybe a, a headline on, you know, a, a bus shelter or a big out of home ad down to, um, you know, a CTA button, you know, how do we punctuate that? Is it, is it learn or is it learn more or is it check this out? You know, like what feels like the right sort of articulation, uh, given who or what the brand is, um, so yeah, it can take a lot of forms. Curious about the process. Is it more like developing it iteratively or going from one thing to another sort of progressive enhancement? Or do you have options at some point? Do you say like this option is more playful and this option is more conserved and uh, anything like that? And like, how is it even presented and served to the client? Yeah, that's that's a good question, too. I think, you know, again, it depends sometimes uh, in a project, you know, a client will have a very clear idea and point of view on what the brand is, who the brand is, how it speaks and comes to life. And at that sort of juncture and that sort of context or dynamic, I think the process is a little bit more singularly iterative. You know, we'll take what they've presented to us or the ideas that they may have uh, and continue to riff on it, shows way, show ways that we can push a little bit to be a little bit more ambitious or playful or interpret it through product in a way. So it's not just uh, ideas uh, that they have uh, that are a little bit more loose or ambiguous, but what that might mean for a landing page or PDP or um, different key moments within a journey, how we might articulate the the value um, from beginning to end that way. Um, or, you know, if it's, uh, from a brand development perspective, a little bit more of an end-to-end process. Uh, it might we might go wider. I think we might show a few different versions um, of uh, how a brand and its voice can come to life um, in ways that we feel complement the visual identity that we're building as well. So it could be that we build a persona that you know speaks a certain way, uh, makes certain pop culture references, or has a certain philosophy that kind of comes through. You know, maybe there's a, a different direction or a different version um, that feels totally different, you know, and I think when you read it and you see it, you kind of just kind of get it. And then we force the client to pick their favorite or maybe Frankenstein a little bit, um, which <laughs> tends to be what happens more often than not. But yeah, I think that's part of what makes it fun and a different challenge every time is that no two projects are the same. What is a favorite examples of um, edgy brands out there who are doing it in a memorable way? Versus, you know, pragmatic, boring corporate style that doesn't really need a refinement. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, edgy. Uh, I would say Domino's. You know, I think they have a really provocative and jocular social media presence and even down into the product itself. They, they have a lot of fun, it sounds like, doing what they're doing. There are a lot of like jokes and puns and uh, kind of it's just kind of funky in that way and seems edgier, I think. Slack is, you know, a best in class example of a product that, you know, operates at a scale that feels almost unimaginable and seems like it's a tool that everyone's using, but um, all the communications feel like they come from a singular place and still feels very human and conversational and kind of easygoing, but um, the, the, the complexity behind it all is just so, so fascinating. There's a, a recent work and code project uh, that launched uh, its, um, a company called Outlines. It's home goods, essentially, that are produced in a, a sustainable way. You sort of have um, your shower curtains or your your body buffers, things that you use in your bathroom uh, that traditionally are kind of dirty. Sometimes they, they take on bacteria and like 
gook and grime after use after you use them for a while but they offer a model where you can like subscribe and you know get your new shower curtain or your new like loofah sent to you as often as you need given how much light you get in your bathroom it's really like a, a quiz that you have to take that's super cool but i say all that to say um that i think um we did a really good job not only helping them launch their new e-commerce platform but i think the voice and tone comes through in a really strong and compelling way that feels kind of edgy and provocative but still educational like you get a lot from from that um from that tool from those products as well yeah i think those are the top three that come to mind I'm glad that we were able to go beyond uh, MailChimp and Dropbox because these are like well-documented brands that we refer to every time we talk about brand voice. <laughs> like yeah, you probably yeah. should just put their uh, brand guides on on a shortcut, you know. Any other yeah, yeah. well-documented examples that you like, that you know, that other our listeners could benefit from? Well, I think Apple does a really good job. Their human interface guidelines although not specific to Apple itself, do a really good job of like talking about how to write in an accessible and human way for digital products. Um, I think those are like really clear um, and actionable um, learnings for any product designer, any any writer. Um, that's That's one that comes to mind for me. You know, it goes beyond just saying like, be simple, be clear, be concise, but, you know, showing visually the difference between good and bad writing for product. I think it's a, a good foundational thing to kind of check out. There are many nitty gritty details that you've been mentioning. Like, do we use apostrophes? Do we not? Like what time, mm-hmm. like, do we put a period in your call to action, but oh, probably don't, but uh, things <laughs> like this. But right. if somebody decides to write one from scratch, you can never come up with everything is there like a template or what what you even should be thinking about what choices you should be making with these technical details when you're writing a guideline yeah i think starting with the nuts and bolts are going that are going to be a part of the thing that you're making is a good sort of place to begin and sometimes it's kind of hard to know that at the outset of a project Um, but sort of, if you have a moment to kind of get ahead of yourself and think about, um, okay, I'm going to have to write, um, given the type of page that we're designing a headline with some subcopy and body, and there's going to be CTA buttons and there's going to be these kinds of modals. Let's get some character counts together. Let's, um, think about, um, if we are to use parallel structure, for example, maybe all the headlines are phrased imperatively or ask frame a value proposition in the context of a question you know like those are kind of small details that help the writing feel more consistent and the voice come through a little bit more clearly and kind of just starting there but also workshopping that and like being a collaborative team member and documenting you know the suggestions that you may get from your team or what feels right or what doesn't feel right along the way i think is a good place to sort of begin building this corpus that then becomes uh, a codified brand voice guideline at the end of the day that makes sense. You don't always work with the brand new thing. So there sometimes will be a mature brand that comes to you and they need an mm-hmm. overhaul. How would you approach that? Is there some sort of an audit or or similar that you can do with them? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, an audit is always a great place to start on a project like that in a situation like that. Um, I think a lot of the time when a client approaches us with that sort of problem, it's maybe because they know that they're showing up 
a little bit differently um, from one part of the product to another, or even from the entirety of the experience, if they are maybe a larger brand that has uh, more of a physical, like real world presence in out of home or bus shelters, what have you, or even between like social media, they're advertising feels a little bit different than uh, the product does. Um, so in an audit, um, sort of picking out, oh, this feels a little bit different than here. We like this presentation a little bit more for this reason. And here's how we can bring a little bit more of that spirit into this other part of this brand ecosystem, for example. Um, what do you think? You know, like that can be a little bit um, of a helpful process at times. Otherwise, you know, it can just be dismantling, it, like taking it apart and starting from scratch in that way, saying, you know, here's given not just an audit of, you know, your brand ecosystem, but an audit of the whole space, like what's working for your competitors, what's not. Um, and here is uh, a few ideas on how we think you can move between them a little bit more fluidly. Um, so yeah, it can be, it can be fun to work it out that way too. Do you have any favorite stories when you've been able to like revamp and bring new life to an existing Borean brand? <laughs> yeah, I would say there's a project I worked on earlier this year for a company that is essentially like a, a job finding platform for, you know, short term sort of part time gigs. Think people who just want to pick up 20 hours at a Dwayne Reed or, you know, a McDonald's here and there, like what's an easy way for them to find, you know, select from the number of short-term part-time jobs in their area, find a job that works for them, apply, get hired and uh, have a little bit more of a relationship with their managers um, while they're there. Um, that's kind of already been in existence for several years, uh, but they approached us um, looking, looking for a rebrand, you know, like what's um, a way to update the product itself, but also in a more holistic sense, like who could they um, become as a brand, you know, a higher sort of mission and vision aspiration? How does that articulate itself uh, in a brand ecosystem? And they're already in a really strong and compelling place, but I think we were able to come up with a few really interesting territories and ideas for them that helped push the needle a little bit more. You know, uh, one and I guess I can talk a little bit about it. it was one sort of voice direction, I think was very much so meant to be like a, a almost like a peer to peer sort of conversational voice that talked like in a very casual way, someone who is taking this kind of work would talk, you know, it's like a little bit irreverent, a little bit cynical, maybe even has a little bit more edge and a little bit more attitude. Or, you know, we would have headlines gesturally, you know, like, um, quote, like, leave the paper pushing on LinkedIn. You know, this isn't that kind of work. This is the kind of work that we're doing. We're proud of it. We stand behind it. And this isn't the place for the other kind of work. Or like, we got y'all, you know, like using y'all very intentionally, you know, as a very casual sort of conversational voice there. Another direction, which felt a, a lot less reverent, a lot more warm and sort of more nurturing. The idea being that, you know, we sort of see this part-time gig work as just one part of who a person really is, their entire lives um, being supported by it in some ways, but say things like, you know, we see you and all that you do, you know, like a little bit warmer, more nurturing and just kind of seeing how they reacted to it all. Um, and that was just, you know, the first couple gestures, I think, at 
uh, where a, a brand voice could go for them. Um, and of course, over the course of, you know, several weeks and months of working with them, we took bits and pieces from other ideas we had. Um, but two very different approaches, I think, on where brand voice could go for a company like that with a with an offering like that. So which direction did they decide to pursue? So that's that's just the thing, though, right? There, there was never just one clear choice. It's like, oh, we like bits of this, we like bits of that. Um, not just from a writing perspective, but visually as well, you know, styles of photography, you know, the the styles of illustration, color palette, you know, the typefaces that we were using. I think that kind of becomes the norm, I think, in a, in a process is putting a lot of different ideas out there and sort of relying on your client partners to pick the best bits form this wholly different thing at the end of the end of the journey that feels like the best fit for them. I'm curious what who the stakeholders are on the receiving side of the project. Like, is it typically top management who makes these decisions or the marketing department? Who's that you're working with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on that project uh, specifically, our day-to-day partners were from marketing and there was some product representation there as well. But I think we work most closely with um, the marketing team. But, you know, that's just a singular example, right? I think other projects I've been on, there's much more of a product focus. So it, it kind of varies, right? I think it depends on the organization, uh, depends on what their priorities are and how their organization is structured. At the end of the day, Working Co. is a, a product agency, um, and that's where our focus lies. Uh, but I do think more recently, we've been doing a lot more to uh, service other parts of our, our clients' businesses as well and build different relationships in that, in that regard. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of varies. Um, so it's been a little bit of a journey. Regarding the application of of the guidelines that you've developed or have been developed before you, uh, when you write 30 pages of something, sure, you can hope that all, all the writers are going to read it, but I, I would suggest a chance that they might not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who's enforcing this? Like how to make sure that what gets produced actually matches the sty- style guides that you have developed? Yeah, I mean, I think part of our hope in producing a document like that or guidelines like that, whether it is in the form of 30-page PDF or a little bit more of an interactive like website, maybe like a MailChimp has, is that it becomes useful enough that people want to refer to it and not just use it as a tool, but uh, contribute to it as well. You know, I think it's uh, sometimes we don't know. You know, it becomes uh, more of a, a governance and implementation sort of priority or um, responsibility, I would say, on the client side than, than the agency side. Um, but I, I look at it as trying to create um, an artifact or a deliverable or an object, whatever you want to call it, that is potentially as helpful as it could be to someone if they do need it. But um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, brand um, in, in all of its forms, you know, whether um, we are applying it to digital products or not is such a subjective and like ephemeral thing that are a lot of writers and creatives, even product designers as well, who can kind of just see it and get it um, and like start producing work that feels right. And if they don't need the tool to do that, then that's that's great too. Um, so yeah, it 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 depends. Like like all things, I feel like I keep saying it depends, but it does. <laughs> uh, for your own projects. Is it mandatory for there to be a guide or um, you can accept projects and write 
UX copy without a guide? And so what would you do then? Yeah, I think a lot of times um, it's uh, definitely a nice to have. And, you know, a lot of the handoff files that we will create, the product design system is the focus. Um, and any sort of uh, extraneous uh, guidelines uh, become, becomes, in a lot of instances, almost like this, this cherry on top, um, which is great. Um, and I think when it's not maybe as necessary, um, it becomes more of a focus on producing um, a production-ready design file that has as much of that as possible. Has a, it feels as finished or as close to finished as it can be, um, so they can just take it and then go make the thing um, and not have to refer back to essentially a guideline um, for any sort of additional or um, augmentative changes that need to be made further down the road. That's a great point because you can also even structure the design guidelines with the, with some examples in place and definitely with some language in place that can be extrapolated for mm -hmm. future use, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, any mistakes that you feel you've been making in the beginning but now you're getting better at when it comes to? Yeah, totally. Um, I think part of um, what... Uh, I've learned uh, more recently um, is that sometimes it's better to not have the answer, you know, just to ask more of a, a question. Maybe uh, I'll help uh, maybe clarify that a little bit. I think I was approaching my work um, a lot earlier in my career um, from a place of wanting to have written the thing already, you know, to have, the language in the design file be perfect, you know, to have a client, you know, read the screen, go through the flow and be like, great, you know, like no edits, <laughs> no suggestions, you know, like this is fantastic. Um, and thankfully that still happens, you know, from time to time. Um, but I think now what I've learned and the way that I've kind of shifted my thinking and approached the work more differently is to be more collaborative and to ask more questions in an internal design meeting and of the client as well um, that I think produce more nuggets of information around what we feel like should go um, in a text box for a, a specific moment in a journey or a flow that then can live in a brand voice and tone guideline. It's like, from that dialogue, from that exchange, we learn a little bit more about um, what we like and what we don't like and why. And that gives us the framework to then create more of a brand around versus like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, like, we like it as is. It's finished product already. Like That is the brand. Because it is the brand when you get it right the first time, but you don't have as much information around what the brand could be as you could if you just had the dialogue and asked the question instead, if that makes sense. Um, so that's, that's something I've learned is to, um, present more variations of work, um, and show the thinking behind that work, uh, a little bit more transparently, um, to start more of a conversation and figure out in a more deep and, uh, I think more holistic way, um, how people are envisioning what this product or this brand should be, um, and then capturing all that. Definitely, definitely. As you mature going from just spot on 
version one to the process. That's what you're describing there. Glad yeah, to hear. Absolutely. For our listeners out there who run smaller companies and don't have the luxury of hiring brand expert and have a dedicated project with them, how can they DIY the minimum viable version of a brand guideline for their product? Because it does make life easier for, for your own self too. Yeah, I think um, ah, this is going to sound maybe kind of silly. I would say go to MailChimp's guidelines and uh, think about all the questions that they ask, all the points that they make, um, and just sort of like reframe that for your work, right? It's like if there's direction around, um, you know, right, simple and clear and concise, or I haven't looked at MailChimp's guidelines in a while, so I don't know if those are the adjectives that they use, but the points that they make, um, sit and think about each one and whether or not that feels right for what you're creating. Uh, if so, great, like fair game to use that. Uh, just maybe change the actual do or don't example to one that feels on par for the thing that you're making. And if it doesn't, you know, think about why it doesn't feel right for um, your brand or product um, and make up a new rule that does. I think um, that that framework is how kind of how all brand guidelines uh, for the most part are kind of constructed. So you can use that um, as a, a good starting point to sort of piece and parcel uh, um, a makeshift one together. But if you're not a fan of, you know, copy and pasting <laughs> uh, someone, someone else's work, I think really just writing more, like dedicating more time to revising certain screens. I think in the same way that, you know, a, a, a product designer might iterate around a screen, you know, like what feels like the, the sharpest construction of it, take that same approach to writing a headline 10 different times, you know, writing uh, a blurb of body copy um, a few different ways, um, you know, taking on the persona of a, a celebrity who you follow on Instagram, like how would they write it? You know, someone you know who has a very charismatic personality, how would, how would they say this thing? Um, I think exploration in that sense is the, the best process there um, in figuring out what's working, what's not, and why. Any favorite books or blogs some fundamental resources or maybe some places where you go as a writer to get inspired? Yeah, I think um, there's so much inspirational um, work out there. And uh, I, mean, I, th I think really like this is going to sound like somewhat of a cop-out answer, and I promise I'll give you a, a real one after, but just reading in general, you know, is inspiration for brand writing and product writing. Um, I think, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, short stories or even like the New York times, you know, I think so much of good writing comes from reading a lot, just a lot and a lot of different authors, a lot of different kinds of writing, um, to like bring that into the work. Um, so that's my cop out answer, but I think a, a couple of examples that I can get that depends. feel a little more real. It depends. <laughs> Read more and write more. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just to reiterate, if if y'all didn't get it the first time, but I think um, there's a, a directory of uh, consumer packaged goods uh, at cpgd.xyz um, that um, is almost like a, a compendium, a directory, if you will, 
of a number of uh, DTC brands. Um, and I think that's definitely a space where, you know, personality and a unique voice and, you know, visual identity is almost necessitated. Um, so it's a good um, sort of frame of reference for what's out there in the market and different ways that you can approach um, uh, voice and tone, um, regardless of, I think, what you're working on. Um, similarly, there's another site called Thing Testing, um, where people sort of leave reviews um, about various products that they've tried, similar to the consumer package good directory. Um, so we just find like a lot of cool stuff. Um, there's also a site um, called The Brand Identity uh, that I frequent pretty often. I think beyond just uh, packaged goods and DTC brands, um, they feature work from a lot of really exciting studios and agencies in uh, the sort of branding industry. Um, they'll do work for you know institutional art clients or finance, kind of all over the place. Um, but it's just really compelling to see some of the stuff that uh, they feature, um, different ways to approach uh, brand voice and tone there. Um, I think from a, a product writing uh, perspective, uh, I'm, I'm on the newsletter for uh, the UX Content Collective, uxcontent.com. Um, they have a lot of really good educational stuff that they'll send out. I'm trying to think what else I'll use. Uh, there's uh, the Content in UX Slack group at contentux.org. Um, it's a really good network and community for UX writers and content designers and content strategists and all the, the roles and titles that float around uh, just to kind of ask questions and find even more resources to use. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of places to look and get inspired and learn from. That's the amazing. That started so vague as in uh, read more. And then you just <laughs> yeah. pointed us to like a dozen awesome resources. Yeah, Thank I you. promised <laughs> I would give you some real answers after that <laughs> big one. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Where can people find more of uh, Work & Co. and yourself personally online? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a little bit quieter uh, on the internet, I think, than than most writers uh, so I don't have a Twitter, um, and I do have an Instagram, but I don't use it. Um, so the best place to contact me would be LinkedIn. If you want to reach out, just Reese Fuller on LinkedIn, you can find me pretty easily. Um, and for Work & Co., I'd say just check out our website. We're at work.co um, on the internet, where you can learn more about the agency and the work we do and the clients we do it with. Thanks so much, Reese, for joining us today once again, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much, Jane. You too. It was great to be on.